you longing for real life change and lasting impact? At More To Be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of More To Be, host of the More To Be podcast, and I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. On today's podcast, I am excited to cover the topic of the fear of failure. And with me, I have a special guest who I've never met before this recording. I'm excited to get to know her. Her name is Leah Archibald. She is the content development specialist at the Theology of Work Project, also known as TOW, a nonprofit organization working to equip every Christian to live out their purpose and do work as God intends. Leah also shares stories and conversations on the Making It Work podcast, so you need to check that out. And she helps listeners discover how to overcome the challenges they face in their jobs each day. Prior to the Theology of Work project, where she's currently working, Leah had 10 years of experience in the online publishing industry. Her work on calling and parenthood has been featured in faith-based publications such as Common Good, and the American Families Association magazine. She holds an MBA from Babson College and a BA from Mount Holyoke. Leah's journey to faith hasn't been straightforward. She was raised in a Jewish household. And for those of you who know my story, you know I'm gonna pick her brain on that one. (laughs) Gave her life to Christ at age 26. Leah lives in Bedford, Massachusetts with her husband and three sons. Welcome to the podcast, Leah. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I am so glad to have you here because I have this passion about joining God in his work Mm. and seeing our careers as not what we're made for, but that what we have the privilege of doing Mm. and our our work as an opportunity to give God glory. So I'm excited to pick your brain about that, but I want to hear about your childhood first and your coming to faith because I also come from a Jewish background. Mm. My dad is Jewish. My mother uh, raised us Catholic and I had my coming to faith time in college. So, and I'm from the Northeast originally, New York. So So it sounds like we have very similar stories. We could probably just double up like jinx, you owe me a Coke type of thing. Right, right, um, right. So tell me, I want to hear yours. I'm sure sure. everybody else too. Oh, I I would love to share about myself, my favorite topic. No, um, I was raised in a reform Jewish household. So I grew up going to Hebrew school and three times a week and learned to read the Torah in Hebrew and got about mitzvah. And I loved it. I was so, um, so ingrained in my Jewish faith. I felt like God really spoke to me from a young age, especially through the reading of the Hebrew scriptures or, mm. you know, in the, in the ritual of reading, you know, the Bible, the first five books of the Bible, which we call the Torah in the Jewish tradition, I really felt like, oh, this was the story of God's people. And I'm one of God's people. God is really, God is really calling to me. So I really felt very uh, ingrained in my Jewish tradition. But as I grew up, I have to say it wasn't enough for me, you know, Mm. especially in my teenage and my college years. I went, I went searching because I had this tremendous fear. I know we're going to talk about the fear of failure in a, in a little bit in this podcast, but I really did, even from a young age, had this tremendous fear of how do I know if I'm doing the right thing? How do I know if God really loves me? You know, how do I know if I'm going down the path he wants me to go? And I felt like those answers were not there, even in our rich, rich tradition of mm-hmm. stories of other people who had followed God. I felt like the answers for me were not there. And I went through a period of real of soul searching. I tried out a lot of different 
religions actually at that, you know, when I was in college, I tried um, Buddhist meditation and following a Hindu guru. And I, I tried a lot of things, you know, I was wow. really searching um, where, uh, where can you possibly speak to me, God? And um, what happened was I met a lovely man who, um, spoiler alert, turned out to be my husband, but yeah. he's a Christian. And he said, you know, God really speaks to me through uh, the Bible, through the stories in the New Testament, which coincidentally I'd never read before, sure. um, before I, you know, was in my twenties. So I picked up this book, um, I picked up a book of the Bible at Barnes and Noble, you know, it's so cheap because it's out of copyright, so you can get it anywhere. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> And I, so I picked up, you know, these stories that I had never read before, you know, these stories about Jesus, this man who, you know, came into our world uh, as we are as a human being, but was also God and also uh, called each of us to a state of perfect forgiveness. And that was something new that I had never heard before. And that, you know, that really hit me like a brick in between the eyes. Mm -hmm. like, Whoa, I could know for sure that I'm loved and chosen and forgiven, you know, through this person mm. of Jesus. So that was really, really a transformational moment for me, you know, reading the New Testament for the first time. And, um, and like you said, in the bio, I did become a Christian in my mid twenties, but I did not take that decision lightly. You know, it's, it's challenging mm. even, even after um, I had, re I had really prayed every day, God, do you want me to believe in Jesus? Cause I did have the strong connection to God, you know, through mm -hmm. my, um, the faith of my youth in Judaism. And I really didn't want to abandon that in any mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. um, so I prayed day after day, every day for a year, God, do you want me to believe in Jesus? Um, and at the end of that year, I really did feel this deep sense of uh, being chosen and called and knowing that I was forgiven through Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, people talk about mm -hmm. that moment when the love of Jesus enters your heart. And, um, you know, I, for me, that is exactly what it felt like. I had, I had one moment where the sunshine broke through and I said, oh, I actually know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God loves me because of this person of Jesus who I read about. Mm. Um, so that, that was my story, you know, and I believe that, you know, the faith that I grew up in, uh, is not lost. You know, when I was um, baptized in the Episcopal Church, the bishop who came to do the baptism said, you know, you never, uh, you never get to stop being Jewish. You know, the covenant that was made with you and your ancestors doesn't end, but it continues and is fulfilled through yes. your faith in Jesus. That's beautiful. That, how did your family respond to that, your parents? You know, it was, um, it was hard for them. I have to say, you know, it's, yeah. it's not easy. Um, cause certainly, you know, they're still Jewish and it's challenging to see your children go in a different way, you know? And it's, mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when I got married, um, my husband and I got married in the church and my grandmother almost wouldn't go in, you yeah. know, cause she said, cause yeah. she, and my mom said, kids do everything all these days. They get married at hotels. They get married at spas. And she's like, well, at least they didn't get married in a church. You know? So, um, okay. it was, it was very challenging. You know, it was very challenging for them to come around, yeah. um, to my new exploration of my yeah. faith, you know, but I think, uh, you know, for all of us, who are practicing Christians, the proof is really in the pudding, right? It's yeah. not in what we profess, but it's in our actions. Um, so, you know, with the story of my faith in relation to my parents, you know, they have come around to embracing me and my family, you know, having 
uh, the first child uh, to give them grandchildren didn't hurt, right? Yeah, so, yeah, 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 sure. So, you know, after we got married in the church, we did go on to have like through three beautiful, like blonde haired, blue eyed boys, um, which very much helped ingratiate me back yeah. into their, <laughs> in their good graces. Um, but, you know, I think that God's love really can transcend all of these, um, the religious differences, you know, that we put yeah. in boxes. And yeah. that's really been true really been true for for me and my family you know and we still go and celebrate all the jewish holidays with Good. my parents at my parents house so my children get to appreciate you know what are the jewish rituals and what yeah. do we do on passover you know and then we can link that it will have a passover seder at my parents house and then um, if the calendars line up we have easter right after that we link that story in their minds you know jesus went and celebrated a passover seder with he with his friends yes. you know on yes. thursday night before good friday so i think there's this very rich linkage that yeah. happens in my family because of my own heritage yeah it, it's interesting i could I can relate in that when I first came to faith, my father, the first, first time I put my life in Christ's hands, my father told me I joined a cult and forget it ever mm -hmm. happened, which is what I did. I went into the darkest mm -hmm. year of my life and the Lord, you know, his hand was still on me. And, and a year and a half later, I came to the Lord again when I was mm -hmm. in a semester in London. And when I came home as a Christian, my family all thought it was London that changed me. Hmm. And for about the next decade, um, my family kind of held my faith at arm's length. And it, what helped is that they loved my husband. He's, he's the one that led me to the Lord and really like yours. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the sun rises and sets on my husband and my family. So <laughs> he was what ingratiated me to, to, to my family. And then it has been... Let's see. So Stephen and I are married 23 years. So when my 20-year-old uh, was at her high school graduation, or my husband heard my father say, you know, it's not London that changed Lisa. It's Jesus. And that's oh the gosh. best thing that ever happened to her. Wow. Besides marrying Stephen. And he's speaking <laughs> to my in-laws about this. Wow. And so my dad knows he sees and and the reason he sees and embraces it is because of the forgiveness that you talk about is that um my dad and i had a falling out that was a four-year period of silence and it was my father's offense that caused it he he left me he abandoned me uh, and when he came back and asked to come back into my life i said i forgave you two years ago yes wow. you could come back in but but here's some terms mm -hmm. and Everything that I said I would give him in trust and growing in respect, I've been able in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit to remain faithful to that. And my father has seen this Jesus that I talk about lived out. And so mm -hmm. he still has not bent his knee and said, I believe mm -hmm. that Jesus is Lord, but I've not met a more humble or mm -hmm. gracious man who understands the power of forgiveness, who doesn't know Jesus mm -hmm. in this world. And so mm. I'm like, okay, God's not done. We're all still in the land of the living. His work ain't done. Absolutely. Clinging to that hope that, you, I, and as I've been reading through the, new, the Old Testament, just really seeing God's heart for his people, for, mm. for that, you know, that love that he would go to any length because of his love for his people. 
and in claiming that before the Lord that, you know, my dad is part of that lineage. God go to any length mm-hmm. for him and, and, and waiting. Yeah. Of course, my mom too. And my, uh, my whole family, I desire that for not just one to the exclusivity of the others. So Lisa, do you find that your faith in Jesus makes you read the Old Testament scriptures differently or gives you a new eyes to see them? That's a good question. Um, I, I was called out by a friend about a year ago who said, you're just such a New Testament girl. Hmm. And she was right. I was looking at the Bible I had and recognized that I was like jumping around the Old Testament and really putting that off. I read all the new hmm. in this most recent Bible and not the old. So as I mentioned to you before we got on that, I'm on this 90 day Bible reading plan, which is insane. It's taking me an hour. It sounds very rigorous. Yeah, it's very rigorous, but I am not involved in women's Bible study this year. So I'm treating it as this is what I'm doing. And I am reading the Old Testament mm-hmm. from that lens of the lineage mm-hmm. and, and seeing God's character uh, twofold. I see, I see the God of the Old Testament who would do anything, even if it involved his anger and his wrath for his people. And yet I see Jesus simplifying the entire law, mm-hmm. you know, five books down to love God, love others as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And and I'm like, Jesus made it so simple. And yet we can't get our brains around it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's it's so true. I needed that simplify. I I need it today. I don't say needed past tense. I need that today, that simplified that simplified message, just love God and the person in the cubicle next to you. Yeah. Really, I really do. Because I'll make it real complicated. Yes. Sometimes I think that's part of the lineage. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> the thinking, thinking, the thinking. I've got to think my way into a different kind of action. I've got to think my way into a different kind of belief. You know, that that is, uh, you know, part of the, the beauty um, of the Jewish people of, you know, so much thinking, but it, it can get us into trouble too. Yeah, absolutely. So, your work, your mm-hmm. faith led into your initial work. Is that true? Or was your work different than your faith? Sure. Um, so at, at first, um, so right now I work for a Christian organization. I work for the Theology of Work Project. And I, I write about this stuff. I write about the Bible um, in hopefully uh, simpler terms. You know, I write devotional reading plans and articles that help Christians connect their faith to the work they do every day. But um, I didn't do that initially, you know, out of college. I worked in online publishing in the uh, technology industry. So in a very secular industry, and I was writing things like white papers and webinars um, about business to business integration software. So a totally interesting topic um, (laughs) that, that had to do with, you know, how to high level um, CTOs purchase software and evaluate software that helps them link the systems in their networks, which is what I wrote about um, for a long time yeah. uh, in the online world. And at that time, you know, in the secular world, I did not think that my faith really had anything to do with my work. You know, that was at a time that I was coming, um, coming to faith in Christ and starting to, you know, uh, come into my own as a Christian a little bit more and getting married and starting a family. And I really felt like my faith was on the outside. That was like a Saturday and Sunday thing mm-hmm. that I did. And then my work in the marketplace was a Monday through Friday gig, you okay. know, and I, and I think my work really suffered as a mm-hmm. result of that, as a, as a result of feeling like I left part of myself at the door. You know, I left uh, the biggest, um, most lively part of myself, my faith. You know, I really left that at home. Yeah, when I went, sure. when I went for my commute, 
Um, and that brought me all kinds of um, problems in my work, including, you know, not going for new opportunities that I was afraid of and, you know, and holding back and um, not speaking out, you know, either for my sake for my faith or, you know, for myself, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, uh, for promotions or that I was trying to get, you know, really, um, acted like a wallflower in that career. So, um, and then I took a break for, I didn't know how to really advance myself or get out of it. I took a break for seven years to be a mom, okay. um, which was lovely. And, you know, then I came back when I came back into the workforce, uh, I came into the nonprofit world to marry the, uh, Mary, the work that I had done in online writing with my love of the Bible so that now I can write online articles and, you know, do the making it work podcast and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, my message from my own career is don't do what I did. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're working in the front lines in the marketplace, for heaven's sakes, um, take your faith with you because that's where flourishing can happen, you know, for not living the Christian life, um, all the hours that we're at work Monday through Friday, then are we really living it at all? You know, that's the message that I needed to hear back then. So what does that specifically look like? Yeah. What is that actual action step? Oh, that's, you know, that's a great question. Um, you know, what, before, Something that I do at the Theology of Work Project is I write little devotional reading plans that you can get through the YouVersion app on your phone, right? So okay. there, are all these, there are all these different um, reading plans that you can use on your commute or while you're sitting on the train or before you go into your work day where you can connect to the Bible, you know, in a, in a short little 10-minute burst and bring that into your work day. You know, and the Bible says so much that uh, really is applicable, right? You, you talked about loving God and loving your neighbor. Well, how do you love your neighbor at work? You know, who is your neighbor at work? There's someone sitting in the cubicle next to you, you know, and um, there are ways to love that person that aren't just limited to sharing the gospel with them, but, but really mean like, how do you give of yourself? You know, how do you help resource that person? How do you um, love them by doing your own work well? with excellence Mm -hmm. so that together as a team, you can shine. How do you bring out their gifts and encourage them in front of the other people on your team? You know, whether you're just a coworker or a boss and how do you be grateful and call out uh, the things that you see that are good in other people so that they can shine. Um, And I I think all of, uh, all of those lessons have uh, come from verses in the Bible you know, yeah. that we, that where God talks about relationships and Jesus talks about how we relate uh, with people, you know, even all of Jesus's um, great teachings on conflict resolution. You know, if you're, if you're in a conflict with your brother, go to them one-on-one first. If that doesn't work, bring in a trusted advisor. If that doesn't work, go to a manager. Absolutely applicable in the workplace. If we can just shift our mindset a little yeah. bit when we read yeah. that scripture. Yeah. Well, coming in as a believer who thinks, speaks, and functions aligned with the word of God, rather than only putting that in on what you do with other believers or on Sundays Mm -hmm. or your family, but understanding that that translates into the workplace. Yeah. I love that. And for so many people, you know, if you go into a secular workplace, you might be the only Christian that your coworker knows. Yeah. You know, you might be 100%. If, if they know that you're a person who goes to church, um, you know, in the Boston area where we live, that's like two percent of people go to church on a Sunday. So yeah. walking into my workplace, I might be the only one. Yeah. 
the only face of Jesus for the person sitting next to me. So that means, oh gosh, I better do a good job of, of you know, of uh, not a good job of putting on a false front and being holier right. than thou pious, but to do a good job of actually doing excellence in my work yeah. so that others can see that I value them and I value the work that we're sharing together. So interesting. The only thing I can relate to it is this, because I, we were at a Christian boarding school before we came to where we are now in, in the middle of Pennsylvania, where my husband's a Christian day school teacher. And so my entire world between being in ministry and being his spouse has been Christian, all mm -hmm. Christians all the time. When we were at the boarding school, there were uh, non-Christian students that I could interface with. And I felt like my work was my motherhood, my marriage. Mm -hmm. That was where my interactions with them would create a testimony for the students to see. So the only people I would run into that were not believers were at doctor's offices and physical therapy appointments. Hmm. And I went through about a decade of back and knee injuries. And oh I am not kidding you. I would be laying on the darn table for physical therapy. I'm like, God, I'm tired of being in pain just so that I can share Jesus here on the table. Oh my God. Can we please deal with my body? I, I'll come here with no appointment. Like, can we please? But I always felt that my, it wasn't just going to a physical therapy mm. appointment. It was a captive audience with somebody mm. that when they asked me how my day was, I could either convey this was hard, but Jesus is my hope, or I could put on a mask and not say anything at all. Yeah. Uh, so I always felt, but, but I would talk to other people about that and they didn't have that mindset. They just saw it as physical therapy. It just is the way God wired my brain. Talk about many trials making you strong, you know, oh, literally like getting strength literally. in the physical therapy and, uh, and getting strength from the Lord to share with the people you're around. I know. I know. So even now, like when something hurts, I'm like, no, but God, I just shared the gospel with somebody the other day. I'm fine. I'm fine. Isn't it enough? Haven't I already paid my dues? I know. I know. It's an interesting, <laughs> interesting issue to have. So, so you do this theology work. I'm so glad you mentioned the um, app because I think that's practical for any of our listeners who enjoy using the Uversion app and that kind of mm. take it on the go. Uh, when we're talking about the fear of failure, mm. how, let's, let's dive into that. How is that sabotaging Christians in the workplace and beyond? Oh my gosh. You know, it is, it is just the number one tool of sabotage, you know, I think, um, because it's in our own heads and it gets in the way of uh, doing the thing that God would be calling us to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's so, you know, the fear of failure is so real for so many Christians and especially for so many Christian women. I find, you know, um, we, uh, on the making it work podcast, one of the things we do is we find Christians in the workplace who are in a secular workplace and they talk to us about a problem that they're going through in their work. And so many women talk to me about, uh, you know, being, uh, the challenge of stepping out, of speaking up, of saying something, um, of stepping into a new challenge. And so much of it is fear of failure. I'm not, I don't want to look bad. I don't want to step out and then make a mistake. And, yeah. Um, you, you know, and have to step back. And it really, you know, in my own career, it really did hold me back. You know, I remember at the beginning of my career, 
I just graduated with the MBA and I was working at an online publishing agency. And I was actually offered, I was, you know, doing um, some kind of menial work, putting together some online marketing campaigns. And I was offered this, uh, a real growth edge position where I could be a customer service manager for their global division. So all of a sudden it went, you know, from like, like a little, a little Mm -hmm. job in Massachusetts to, I was going to be like flying all over the globe and, and managing, um, and managing big, I'm not gonna say I was, you know, I was one of the people who was like offered to apply Mm -hmm. to this position. And I was, and I was terrified, um, because all, you know, on one hand I was like, Ooh, more money, more growth, you know, and then next to that one, you know, plus came so many negatives at the same time. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm not going to know. I'm going to be on an airplane all the time. I I'm not going to know where to go. I'm not, I'm going to have to learn how to use these new presentation applications that I don't know how to use. I'm going to go in my first, everyone's going to know what I don't know. Everyone's going to see, everyone's going to see that I don't really know how to do this job. And I was just terrified, you know, and I hate to admit it, but I took a step back. I declined to apply Mm. for that position um, because I was just so afraid of failure. Just so afraid of stepping out into something new and uh, showing what I didn't know, you know, showing that maybe I didn't have what it takes. And now, you know, having, you know, several decades to look back on that, I was like, oh gosh, that was a, that was a big mistake. That's actually how everyone grows. Everyone, everyone grows by taking a step into something that they don't know what's going to happen. And that's how God gifts you. That's how God helps you learn yeah. by going to something new. But it's, it's very hard to learn by kind of sitting back on the sidelines and wishing you were somewhere else. Yeah. In the coach training course, we teach this because we're working with clients who are stuck and they're stuck sometimes in their mind. Mm. Of it, the, it's an obstacle in our thinking to have this idea. Like what I heard you saying was I needed to be in control I, I needed to protect my pride. I needed to make sure I didn't look like a fool. I needed to make sure I was more than capable. And it was all I mm. lacking the co- the major component, which is God is going mm. to equip you. God is your protector. God says, walk humbly. God says, you know, he, he will go before you. And by choosing to trust in what God will do, then we're walking in faith over fear. Mm. Yeah. It really, the fear of failure, you're right. It is such an eye problem. Yeah. And it takes out of the equation, you know, the two main commandments that you mentioned from Jesus, love God and love people. Like nowhere, I mean, I, as you love yourself, but that's a yeah. given, but you know, it's, it takes away this love God component, the I, 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 I. And it also takes away the love people component. That's something else that I didn't see. Like, how could I serve other people in this new role? You know, I could bring someone else into my old role. I could bring someone else up in the organization. You know, I could serve this new group with my skill set. You know, I could serve my family better with a higher paycheck. You know, all of that was absent Mm -hmm. when I got into my own fear of failure. Yeah. Yeah. And at this point, I would say, if you were struggling with something like that presently, Mm -hmm. I think many times it, it moves right over into the the uh, potentially a clinical diagnosis of anxiety, Mm, right? Because when the fear of failure becomes so debilitating that it's manifesting as anxiety and we're looping Mm. around that same thought pattern again and again, I've said to my daughter who struggles with anxiety, I'm like, okay, take, take the focus off yourself right now. What is it Mm. out there? Like you just said that you, who can you serve? 
where can you join God in his work mm -hmm. and, and glorify him in it? Because right now you're just thinking about how to protect your own heart or your own mm -hmm. reputation. And, and that is going to keep you stuck. Mm -hmm. uh, and so she, she started to do that. And I've, I've seen the, the outward kind of decision of putting yourself out there and getting uncomfortable in the mm -hmm. face of fear to battle the anxiety that comes her way. Mm. Uh, and it, it's, it's hard because I'm watching my 14 year old developing the same patterns that she had at that age. And I'm like, okay, can we cut it off at the pass? Like where, where can I put this girl that she could start paying attention to somebody else and not be so self-reflective mm -hmm. on her own shortcomings? Yeah. And is it, you know, Jesus is the one who walks with us in our yeah. fear. You know, when I, when I wasn't taking my faith to work at that time in my life, I really miss this opportunity to bring Jesus into mm -hmm. uh, my experience of my fear to, to really know my fears. Cause that's what he did on this earth with his disciples. He walked through them, you know, with the fear. I mean, I think of, I think of, you know, the women walking to the tomb on Easter Sunday, you know, mm -hmm. Jesus's disciples walked into their they walked straight into their biggest fear. Their biggest fear was that God was dead. And they walked into straight into the heart of the biggest fear, into the tomb, and they found it empty. You know, their worst fears were empty on that morning. You know, and there's Jesus in the garden standing with them. You know, so I, I think Jesus gives, you know, me when I bring my faith into my work, Jesus gives me that opportunity to walk into the heart of my biggest fears and find them empty. Yeah. That is so good. What a visual of imagining them. They had two choices. Hmm. They had that choice that we, the only one that we read about in the story is that they walked into the tomb. Hmm. Yeah. But the, uh, they really did have another choice, which to say, I can't do this. I can't, I can't go there. I don't want to know. Yeah. And, and live in a place of denial and, and pretend of, I can't, I can't face this. And yet their courage I mean, it makes me think of them as such courageous women to face the very thing that you describe as their worst. Right. And then they, and not only that, but they spoke up about it. Jesus said, run and tell my disciples, run yeah. and tell my friends. And they did, you know, like yes. talk about women speaking up, you know, to, wow. to believe them, you know, and, wow. uh, and maybe there were others who yeah. chose not to, and their stories did not get written about. Right. And that's a practice not just for our listeners who are going to a paid job, mm. but our listeners who are running a, an after-school program as a volunteer mm. or involved in a public school setting as a mom amongst their peers. Or I, I have a bunch of friends who play tennis and that's their, they see that as their missions field uh, because that's, that's what they have the opportunity to do. Another friend who plays golf. And, and so that idea of whatever it is that work that God has laid before you to enter into it with courage and faith over fear. Mm. So many times in my parenting too, I have to walk straight into the heart of my fears. You know, I mean, every moment, you know, I have a four-year-old and an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old. Every <laughs> moment is new. You know, every moment there are ages that I haven't dealt with before. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, I have so many opportunities to go, oh, uh, I don't know how to do a preteen thing. I don't know how to deal yeah. with this attitude. I would prefer to turn my back and walk away. But no, I have yeah. to walk into the heart of my fears of 
my kids being jerks or, yeah, <laughs> or yeah, right. growing up to be people that I would never want to present to God in heaven. And, um, and walk into that fear, say, God, how can you do this? Jesus, how can you be here with me? Yeah, that's so good. Parenting. So good. So I know you, you had a particular passage that you wanted us to look at. Oh, sure. As an illustration point. I would love to go there. Oh, sure. You know, this is a great passage um, from the Old Testament. It's the first chapter of Deuteronomy. It's verses 19 to 45. And this is a quintessential passage about fear of failure. Because what's happening in this passage is that God has told the Israelites that they're go they're there to go and possess the land of Israel and they're going to go in and they're going to uh, kick out the Amorites and they're going to take over the land of Israel. And the Israelites are like, mm, maybe not, you know, they send some spies out and the spies come back, you know, and Joshua and Caleb are like, we could totally take them. We can totally take these guys. Yeah. They're big, you know, but the land is really good and it's, you know, flowing with good fruit. It's going to be good for us. And the Israelites are like, did you say big? Did you say these guys are big? Yeah. Uh, I don't think we can do it. I think we're much better here in the desert. You know, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but I love um, it though. Keep on, keep on going. I'm um, picturing it all. And they're they're like, oh, I don't think so. I think some bad things are going to happen. I think we're going to stub our toe. You know, I I don't want to. I don't want to go in and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, they mm-hmm. say they essentially say no to this order from mm-hmm. God. You know, mm-hmm. um, no, we're not going to go do it. And uh, and God says, all right, if that's your decision, if you're so sure you're not going to go into the land, guess what? You can't. I'm not allowing you to do it anymore. You lost your chance and none of you are going to go in and see the land that I promised you. It's only going to be Joshua and Caleb and, you know, and your children, only the people yes. who didn't make this decision. They, they really, their uh, window of opportunity closes Yeah, and they lose yeah. their chance. And, uh, and Moses tells them that and they're like, oh no, wait, wait, we didn't really mean that. We want to, we were, we're going to do it. We're going to follow you, God. Now we're going to go into the land and they, you know, and God says, nope, you're going to get defeated. And that's what they do. They go and they get defeated. They get pushed back and they never get to live and inhabit the land that God promised them. So, you know, what an example yeah. of a self, uh, fulfilling prophecy of the fear yes. of failure. Yeah. It, it's profound because you know, they, there's a couple of things that jump right out to me from the scriptures here as I look at it. Uh, in, I'm reading the New Living Translation, and it says, our brothers have demoralized us with their report. They tell us, and I just those two words, they demoralize us and they mm-hmm. tell us. And when I, when I see that, I think those are kind of some red flags for mm-hmm. the conversations we have with ourselves about decisions, the, the group think that is surrounding us what the culture is saying, what the enemy of God is saying, like for us to be the sheep with a shepherd who wants us to hear his voice, we have to push away all the other voices in the face of fear. And if there is that sense of being demoralized, yeah, I mean, that is not of God. What a red flag. If you feel demoralized by yeah. what you're hearing, mm, yes. that doesn't sound like it's God. That sounds like it's fear. Right, right. And then the descriptions, like you were saying, the people of the land are taller and more powerful than we are. Their towns are large with the the walls rising high to the sky. We even saw giants there, you know, like, oh, the drama. (laughs) (laughs) Now it sounds like my kids telling the story. They were giants, I I tell you, they're giants. They're giants. And I I have to say, I feel like in the Jewish culture that I was exposed to, (laughs) there's a lot of really dramatic storytelling. Like, Mm -hmm. that is Mm -hmm. a thing and I am I own it I have this problem right and so are we exaggerating 
is has the fear been exaggerated out? Hmm. Have we lost sight of the truth because the enemy of God has embellished it with a, a just a fabrication of what is true? Hmm. And I, you know, I think, and those Israelites who are saying that they didn't even, they hadn't even seen it with their own eyes. I know. They had just heard someone, heard someone tell it, yeah. you know, and then they came back passing on the rumor. Oh, it's, you said it's big. Well, it's, they're really, really big. Yeah. You said their cities are tall. Their cities are really, really tall. God already told them that they could take those people in those cities. They totally discounted it. Right. And if I remember, um, it was a total of 12 spies that went out. So mm-hmm. uh, Caleb and Joshua were the only two of the 10. That's right. That we're saying, no, we could handle it. And they were the minority voice. Mm-hmm. So majority doesn't even mean truth. Right. Yeah. Right. Joshua, who had been Moses's assistant, was saying, we got this. And, mm-hmm. and they discounted that. And so I'm going to uh, read this passage here. Verse 29 says, but I said to you, Moses speaking, don't be shocked or afraid of them. The Lord, your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you just as he, as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw how the Lord carried, I'm sorry. And you saw how the Lord, your God cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness, just as a father cares for his child. Now he has brought you to this place. But even after all he did, you refused to trust the Lord, your God, who goes before you looking for the best places to camp guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And when the Lord heard your complaining, he became very angry. And that was, that's not a good thing. Yeah. You know, what's so funny is that as Moses explains to them, they had seen God's goodness over and over again. God's goodness hadn't been a story to them. It had been real in their lives. They saw him take them across the sea. They saw him provide for them in the desert. They saw him shade them from the sun, you know, in this cloud and direct them by the fire, you know, all that they had seen and yet with their own eyes. And yet they were still susceptible to the feeler of failure coming from reports from other people. So if they were susceptible to the fear of failure, how much more are we susceptible, you know, to the, to the fears that we perceive? Yeah. in the world around us, you know, like, uh, yeah, absolutely agree. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. My, my one comment in my journal to the Lord was that like, you've given us the Holy spirit to be our guide and counselor indwelling, but we can't see it. Like God, we mm-hmm. could see a fire. We could see the water coming out of a rock. We could see the red sea parting. We could see the pillar of cloud. And yet that wasn't sufficient for them. Mm-hmm. So, so you've given us something better in the Holy spirit. What is quenching that in our lives? What Mm -hmm. is keeping us from that? And I, I, I feel like he's revealing to me two different things. You know, one clearly our sin Mm -hmm. It, it, you know, (laughs) we're not walking in line with God's word. We are shutting down the work of the Holy spirit uh, and, and separating ourselves from God's presence in our life, the way he wants to fully indwell us. And that's just normal. And so, and, and there's a solution, right? I mean, just confess your sin. Hmm. That's for forgiveness. Yeah. There's no time it's limit. Guaranteed. It's, it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed in Jesus. It's a guaranteed out, right? Immediately. But the other thing is that I, I, I've, I just really believe for lots of reasons in the value of community of faith mm. and deep, transparent, authentic relationships in which when we can't see God, somebody else can see God for us. Hmm. and say, 
I know it feels like he's disappeared right now, but this is what I see him doing. Which is what Moses was for the people. You know, right. when they when they couldn't see, he was the one standing in going, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is really what God's saying to you. I'm telling you. Um, but they still had the choice not to listen. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, can we become a people who are willing to listen and who are willing mm-hmm. to have eyes that see and are willing to say, God, I don't want to live in fear of mm-hmm. failure. I want to live in faith mm-hmm. and I can't do it alone. I need I need a sisterhood, a brotherhood around me to spur me on when I, I can't do it by myself. Hmm. That's so good. So yeah. it, it is, it is. And I, I mean, I just came off of a retreat weekend, which I, I feel like I can share this because I said it to the 50 ladies in front of me uh, over the course of the weekend. I, there were dozens of women that came up to me and said the same thing. I really resonate with your story. I would, I I need to tell you something, but I've never told anybody here and Mm. I don't want anybody else to know. Mm. It was over and over and over and over again. On Sunday morning, I stood before these women. I said, this has got to stop. You have to start finding one person here uh, who's healthy and safe and share in an appropriate way this thing that you are carrying by yourself. In some cases it was shame and some cases it was sin. Some cases it was something that was done unto them. Some cases it was, it was a lack of faith. I mean, the, 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 their story was very unique. It wasn't like it was the same story, um, but, but to find that one person so that it comes out into the light and God's healing work can, can begin. And you can have somebody like an Aaron with to Moses to, to mm. walk with you through this, when you feel you can't, God will provide one who can. Yeah. And that is for us, the person of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy spirit, but God adopted us into a family mm-hmm. and that's our brothers and sisters. And so there, this, this solo faith thing is for the birds. Hmm. You know, it's the same, the fear that holds us back in our work is this, is this very similar to the fear that holds us back from authentic relationships with other people, you know, that holds us back from, you know, sharing what's on our hearts or what's oppressing us on our hearts. You know, it's the same fear of, am I going to be loved or am I going to look stupid and are people going to reject me? You know, that's, that's the same question. Um, you know, the same question at, at home and at work, you know, and the women we talk about, the woman, one of the women who went to the tomb on Easter morning was Mary Magdalene, who had, you know, everything that she had done laid bare in front of Jesus and was forgiven for all of it, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and she, and she was the one who we were talking about who had the ultimate courage to walk into the tomb, you know, and, and had the courage to have an encounter with Jesus, yes. you know, in the garden and had the courage to run and tell everyone else what she had seen, even though they didn't believe her and maybe she got made fun of. I don't know. Yeah. So like the same fear, she could do that because she was free yeah. of the burden of secrecy and sin. I'm, I'm making that up. That's not written in the scripture. That's just my interpretation. But, I, um, <laughs> I support your interpretation. I do think she was free. She, yeah. It was no longer self-focused mm-hmm. because her stuff had been reconciled with her yeah. savior. Yeah. And I, I think what we learn from both that story in the New Testament and the story from the first chapter of Deuteronomy is that fear, fear holds us back from doing what it is that God would have us do to lead us into a more flourishing place. 
Yeah. You know, whether that's at, in our faith or in our work or in our personal relationships, fear is only something that holds us back. It's not giving us proper information. You know, the proper yeah. information is coming from God, you know, and how we hear from God, whether that's from, you know, reading the Bible or hearing from trusted advisors or, you know, talking with others or praying with others. But however we hear with God, that's where the real uh, goods are coming from, not yeah. from all these fears that hold us back. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. So what would be a resounding like commissioning for our listeners that you would give in terms of take the next step? Oh gosh. You know, well, every time an angel comes to someone in the Bible, the first thing they say is fear not. You yeah. know, that's what happened when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary, you know, it happens at other times. I, I think, um, one, I think angels are maybe scary looking if you see one in person, you know, but, yeah. um, but you know, that's what God, the first thing that God says to us when he's going to impart a message is fear not. So that's, that's what I would give to your listeners. Like number one, fear not, that's not from God and you don't have to, you know, if there, are, if you have fears, you know, especially the fear of failure, you can bring that to God mm-hmm. and ask God for help to ha- help you walk through the fear of failure into whatever it is that you're calling him to, that he's calling you to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful. And from there, then it's, it, it's not smooth sailing. No. And maybe you'll fail anyway. I don't know. Yeah. You know, there, yeah. there are plenty, there are plenty of instances in the Bible, where, you know, where Paul's travel around. He's like, I tried to go here. They wouldn't let me in. I tried to go there. They chased me out of their town. I tried to go here. They nearly killed me. You know, so it's not saying that every mission that you have from God is going to be a success. Yeah. Um, but it is saying you're going to survive if it's not a success. Certainly, um, you know, you're going to survive if you make a mistake. There's certainly yeah. freedom in Christ to make mistakes. Yeah. And, um, and you're going to survive whatever it is with God's help, you know, because yeah. the person of Jesus offers ultimate forgiveness. Yeah. It's yeah. ultimately more fulfilling to live into whatever your calling is than to live in fear and, you know, hold on to, hold on to the wall, be a wallflower. I know. Yeah, absolutely. In coaching uh, clients, I'll often use the what if question. Mm. So what if, face the fear with a what if, what if you fail? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, then they won't like me. And what if they don't like me? Mm -hmm. Well, then, then I will feel insecure. I say, what if you feel insecure? Mm -hmm. Well, I felt insecure before. Okay, so what if you feel insecure? Mm -hmm. What have you done when you have felt insecure? Well, then I grab a Bible and I read about my identity and I Mm -hmm. start putting on worship music and talking to friends who love me. And then I overcome my fear of insecurity. I said, okay, so what if you fail? You're going to overcome your fear of insecurity is your end goal. Isn't that worth it? You know, and kind of working it down to the least, um, not the least common denominator, but the smallest, Mm -hmm. the smallest action step possible that you've already had success in so that you can, take that step of faith and fear not. Wouldn't the story of the Israelite people been so different if Moses led them through a coaching session like this? Like, what is, what is your fear? Yeah. What is your fear fear of going and taking the land the Lord promised you? You know, what is it? They talk differently back then. Maybe they could. I know. Well, I think he wasn't a coach. He was an exasperated father. That's <laughs> <laughs> you really hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've watched him get angry through reading the scriptures <laughs> and God get angry. And I was like, you understand me as a mom. Oh God. So you what is your me. biggest surprise going through the Bible in 90 days? Oh, 
my biggest, how hungry I am for the whole story mm. and how hungry I have been for it for 20 years. Like mm. I only really started reading my Bible for myself like a decade after I came to faith. So I came mm. to faith in 90, uh, 93 and it was a decade later before I started reading scripture. And then, you know, I've read through the whole Bible multiple times since then, but I have felt like there's been a missing piece. Mm. And I now I feel like um, I mean I'm only in halfway through Deuteronomy, but in the 13 days of it, I feel like I'm I I see God's heart. Like it makes me sad. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like, oh my God, when it says that He's a jealous God, He's zealous for us. Mm-hmm. He loves us more than anything else. Uh, I. I see that even in the face of understanding his anger. Mm. And I feel like he, um, uh, how do I, I feel more normal. Mm. <laughs> like the times I feel great injustice or great anger or great frustration and lose my patience and have spent so many years in the condemnation of that and feeling like it was wrong that I reacted that way. I, I actually feel like, oh my word, that's the heart of God in that situation. Mm-hmm. Not all the time. Sometimes it's just wrong. <laughs> but but there's, a, there's a, a sense of God understands me more than I ever gave him credit for. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So like now I just want everybody to read their Bible. And I think we don't, I just think it's human nature to not be able to connect the dots when things are spaced mm-hmm. out over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And so like, here's a, here's a like little example. There is the account where God, um, Moses is, is in the account. I think it's in numbers where God says, strike, uh, speak over the rock and mm-hmm. water will come out because people are thirsty. And it says, Moses did as the Lord said. And then the next, you know, four lines later, um, it says Moses, uh, with Aaron struck the rock two times. And the next thing you know, Moses is in trouble and not inheriting the promised land. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what gives? Like, why is there no conversation back and forth between God and Moses over this? He argues back and forth with God about things all the time concerning the Israelites. How is this a sealed and done deal? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm still reading. And it turns out that there is an actual conversation about it that Moses recounts in Deuteronomy mm-hmm. about how he went to God and asked, is there any other way? And we understand that at the core issue, it was, he did not trust God. Mm-hmm. And was it, you know, at that point, I, I'm like adding to scripture here or, or making assumptions. Was Moses just so tired? He didn't pay to the detailed attention to the instruction. Mm-hmm. And he thought, ah, eh, uh, you know, strike the rock twice, not that big of a deal versus speak over it. Like same diff, you know, was he just not paying attention to detail or, was he rebelling or was he confused or was he hungry or like what was going on with Moses that somehow there was this slight miss in the application of what God said to do. And, and the outcome was he didn't inter- in, inherit the promised land. And I don't need to know the answer to that, but mm-hmm. I'm comforted by knowing that he had a conversation with God about it. Hmm. Yeah. Which if I only read one little bit of the scriptures and didn't read it again for months or years, mm-hmm. those pieces 
of that puzzle would not come together. And I, my faith is increased because I literally wrote a question in my notes to God of why did it turn out this way? And eight days later, he's answering, or three days later, he's answering my specific question through his word. And so I'm like, oh, I can't ask God anything. Yeah. I don't know if I'll always get an answer. I know I won't, but, but his word teaches his word. Mm -hmm. And how much more you grew closer to God through that experience of diving into the scripture. You know, if nothing else, you're seeking God's heart and getting a closer understanding with God by entering into the scripture. Yeah. Than you would have done by, oh, I don't, that's old stuff. I don't need to look at it. It doesn't apply to me today. I know. You now it applies so much today. Is God speaking to our teeny tiny decisions that yeah. we make every day? Is this something I have to inquire to the Lord about yeah. whether to do A or B? Does God have something to say about, you know, how I send this email or what sign off I use or what tone of voice do I use? Whether I, you know, uh, ask politely or strike something to make something happen. Does God care about that? You know, that's a question yeah. that applies to me in the workplace. And um, if you hadn't entered into yeah. scripture, you would have never, you know, had those, be addressing those questions with God. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't, you think it doesn't matter so much there. Were, and even like my daughter, my 14 year old said the other night, uh, this is like about a week or two ago. She's like, I just feel like I don't understand the Bible. And it's just not interesting to me. I'm like you're 14. <laughs> I understand this, no judgment. But last night I was reading this passage out loud and she comes in and she's like, that's so interesting. I'm like, I'm reading the Bible. And she's like, oh, I don't mean it that way, mom. (laughs) And I'm like, uh, she, but she just reading it out loud, which is what it was meant to be done in the first place, uh, engaged her and brought her in. So I could even see God using this to awaken my kids hearts Mm -hmm. in ways that if I just said, oh, I can't do it. I'm too busy. There's not enough time. Then how are they missing the blessing that God intended? Absolutely. You know, the heritage of the Jewish people is a heritage of wrestling yes. with God in the way that Jacob wrestled with the angel. You know, and there's a reason that Jewish scholars throughout the ages have spent hours upon hours upon hours wrestling with the same scriptures. Their Bible was smaller than the one that we have today, right? Yes, and they yeah. spend, you know, 10 hours a day in yeshiva wrestling with the questions that are posed in scriptures and rereading scriptures. And that why, that's why we have, you know, books of ancient wisdom that are just like a piece of scripture in the middle and four rabbis on the side arguing about what it means. Yeah. You know, that is, that is the heritage that we come into of knowing God through the wrestling yeah. with the scripture. I think it's a, it's a beautiful heritage that we can continue yeah. today, that you're continuing today in your own practice. Yeah. Let everybody know where they can find you. Sure. Um, If you want to hear more conversations about Christians in the workplace finding God for themselves, go to the Making It Work podcast, which you can find at makingitworkpodcast.org is where you can find me. Good, good, good. And they can find your devotions in the YouVersion Bible app. In the YouVersion app. You can go to the YouVersion app and um, the devotions are organized by categories. You can click on devotions for work and you'll find uh, a lot of great devotions that help you connect the Bible to the work that you do every day. Good. Is that under the theology of work in the YouVersion app or 
It's not. It's not. It's just, they're nameless. They're nameless and formless. Um, no, they do have form. Uh, but they're organized under categories. So you can okay. connect to uh, work or you can go to our website, which is theologyofwork.org, and you okay. can see all our devotions there as well. Good, good, good. And if they want to connect with you personally, do you make yourself available on any social channel or tend to hide out? You can find me at makingitworkpodcast.org and there will there are all the instructions to connect with us and post questions to the show that we can address on air and everything like that. We'd love to connect with you there. Perfect. Okay. And would you like to close us in prayer? Oh, I would love to. Thank you so okay. much. Uh, Lord God, thank you for this time. Um, thank you for bringing together me and Lisa to have a conversation about your word. God, you've said that when two or more are gathered in your name, you will be present. And I've really felt your presence today. So thank you, God, for your presence in this conversation. I pray, God, that you would bless each person who listens to this podcast. Um, I pray that you would bless each person to know you more fully, to encounter you through the words of scripture and uh, to bring your presence into their lives today. Um, my God, I pray that you would bless each of us as we go out into our individual work today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Leah, for being here with us. And uh, thank you for listening to the More To Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during time with us today. If you'd like to show your support for the ministry of More To Be and our podcast, we'd love for you to become a More To Be Sisterhood Circle member. You'll be blessed with our signature courses and resources while being a blessing to others. To learn more, visit moretobe.com slash podcast for a special link. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.